Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Now I can preach it like this, okay? Repent! Or I can tell you, change your mind. Preaching repentance in the area of consciousness of sins is dishonoring the work of Jesus. Repentance means you realize you're guilty, that you deserve the wrath and punishment of God. You begin to realize that sin is in you, and you turn your back on it in every shape and form. You renounce the world, whatever the cost, and you deny yourself and take up the cross and go after Christ. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What was once a musical, uh-oh, is it now a reality? I won't grow up, I won't grow up, I don't want to go to school. This is Wretched Radio. Just to learn to be a parrot, just to learn to be a parrot. And recite a silly rule, and recite a silly rule. If growing up means it would be beneath my dignity to climb a tree, I'll never grow up, never grow up, never grow up. Not me. That was Peter Pan. Well, it was actually Patty Pan. It was a woman playing a... Hey, do you think that's what got this whole confusion started back in the early 1950s? Mary Martin singing as Peter Pan, the boy who didn't want to grow up. While this is not considered a DSM-5 official diagnosis for whatever that is worth or isn't worth... There are sociologists observing that a new generation has what they are deeming Peter Pan syndrome. That people who should be adulting want to remain like Eddie Money. They want to go back. They want to just they just want to go relive it all over again, which is an interesting question. Jordan Peterson, I don't know if you recall, he asked that question last week. If you could go back and do it all over again, would you? And most likely you pondered this question and you'd say, well, can I take my current knowledge back with me and do it all over again? Because maybe then I would do it. But for my money, the more I think about it, I wouldn't. Because first of all, you couldn't actually be an eight-year-old with the innocence that accompanies that age. Because you know all the stuff you know. So you're never going to go through that carefree season because you just know too much. Furthermore. Been there, done that. Why would I want to go be a teenager again? I can think that everybody that I knew would prefer that I didn't do that again. Why Why go back and redo that? The Lord has this figured out. If you happen to be one who still maintains a bit of a fear of death, give it some decades. The, the, the Lord will help you. He's got this sorted. It's It's good that you grow old and gray and wise. And then ultimately desire, long to be with him for eternity and not go back. But according to sociologists, there are many that don't want to get old, period, because they like the lack of responsibility. They like not having to do adult things. And this is going to be an ongoing conversation here on Wretched Radio because we got to get this sorted. I'm telling you. Now, maybe Lifeway will do this survey someday. I suspect they will because they survey pretty much everything else. Why is it that Christian kids don't seem to be faring much better than secular kids when it comes to issues like anxiety and depression, fear, loneliness? And it, there's just there's just one instrument. There's one electronic device that continues to bubble to the surface of every sociologist studies that has caused the change. 
and it appears to be social media. That kids, they are exposed to so much that I don't believe we were intended to be shown and known because that puts us on the... Now, I grant you it doesn't literally, but it gives us a, a degree, is that there could be degrees, of omniscience. And only God is supposed to know everything that is going on. We can't take it all in. We can't know all of this stuff. If you knew all of the bad things that were happening everywhere around the world, you would be just overwhelmed because you and I can't take it. And the next generation, they are getting overwhelmed. Furthermore, there's a new app. It's called Glamour something. I can't. Mrs. Friel was reading it to me as we were sitting having our morning coffee. You take the thing. I don't want to get all technical with you, but you take the thing and you scan it on your face. And then it turns you into what you could look like if everything were perfect. Hey, there's a recipe for feeling miserable about your looks. But wait a second. This cruel game ain't over because once you then go about the business of trying to do the makeup, make your cheekbones look higher, whatever it is, then you you scan your face again. And what does it do? It enhances it further. Ah, ah, I can never, I can never attain ultimate beauty. And kids are consuming this stuff downloading it by the millions. It's a brand new app. And your sons, your daughters might be taking a look at their face, recognizing that by comparison to something that is pure fantasy, they're a dog and it weighs on them. And they are being crushed by so much information and so many unrealistic standards that it appears that it is affecting them in a way that is keeping them from being productive adults in society. And it's not a laughing matter because Christian kids are not immune to this. Christian kids, statistically, I have not seen a report that suggests they are faring any better. Let's go to Peter Pan syndrome when people just can't grow up from healthline.com. All children except one grow up, said Peter Pan, or actually it was Wendy, I think, the boy who wouldn't grow up, first appears in Dr. Dan Kiley's 1983 book, Peter Pan Syndrome, Men Who Have Never Grown Up, Taking a Cue from the Boy Who Wouldn't Grow Up. It's not an official diagnosis. It's not DSM-5. But observationally, there seems to be something to this moniker. Their dishes might pile up in the sink. They might avoid doing laundry until they have nothing clean to wear. You might find yourself regularly helping out with chores just to get their home a little bit more habitable. I remember that phase. I mean, that's that's not uncommon. But at some point, you grow past that phase. The observation is they're not. Peter Pan syndrome people prefer to live for today and show little interest in making long-term plans. They spend money unwisely and have other trouble with personal finances. They consistently avoid addressing relationship issues in productive ways. By the way, oh, oh, have you been listening to Greg Gifford's Transform podcast? It is so good. I was listening to, I think it was the February 25th episode. You got to go find it, Transformed with Greg Gifford. 
He was, t- oh, I won't do this justice. Jimmy, do you have the ability to access that stuff uh, from yeah, your system? I do. Would you grab March 25th, the second the second section, the second 11 minutes uh-huh. on that one? So good. How to communicate. And one of his encouragements, and this won't be a spoiler because it's he just will do it much better than I will. Sit down at a table, 30 minutes, and talk. Not about the fluffy stuff, about stuff. Applying the principles that he had talked about in the other lectures on communication. And he said, eventually, you will work through more and more of the struggles that you are having with another person when you sit at a table and deal with relationship issues, which apparently a lot of young people, certainly not all, but a lot of young people in the upcoming generations aren't willing to do. It it becomes too emotionally wrought for them. More so, perhaps, than other generations. Peter Pan syndrome people have a pattern of job loss due to lack of effort, tardiness, skipping work. They make little real effort to find a job. They leave jobs frequently when they feel bored, challenged, or stressed. Stressed, by the way, might be one of the most often used words in the 21st century. Everything is a stressor. They only take part-time work and have no interest in pursuing promotion opportunities. They move from field to field without spending time developing skills in any particular area. And it can, fo- it can show up in the form of unrealistic goals, such as dreams of becoming a pro athlete or landing a record deal. Where does that come from? Well, I think it's always been in the human heart. But social media sure does seem to tap into that. That you should be famous, you should be rich, you should be a model, you should be in Hollywood, you should be the president. And they are fed these messages constantly. It affects their attitude and mood when they have Peter Pan syndrome. Emotional outbursts when facing stressful situations. Make excuses, blame others when things go wrong. They expect to be taken care of. Fear of negative evaluation. And by the way... It is not exclusive to males. Men seem to be leading the way, but girls are right there, too. Those with Peter Pan syndrome often have overly protective or very permissive parents. Oh, that's interesting. Overly permissive parents, they often don't let many set many boundaries. So they believe it's okay to do whatever you want. On the other hand, everything is scary. Everything is terrifying. These are people who have had overprotective parenting. Bottom line, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, I think to fail to recognize that this is going on with Christian kids, it is to their detriment, to our detriment, to society's detriment, and to the kingdom's loss. We need to be mindful that because of, in my opinion, social media, We're up against it, which means we need to get in the battle for our kids. We will endeavor to continue to do just that. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10 thousand people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, 
very busy, saving babies, saving souls, would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now a sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Important dates in Christian history. 1559. John Knox returns to Scotland to lead Reformation there after a period of exile in Calvin's Geneva. Knox founded the Presbyterian Church, which became a driving force in English politics and the American Revolution. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Has this question ever been more pertinent for Christian parents? How you gonna keep them down on the farm after they This is Wretched Radio. This song was sung over a hundred years ago, courtesy of World War One, when boys were taken off of the farm. They were transported around the globe, and they saw sights that they would have never seen if they had stayed down on the farm. And the question the culture was asking is, how do we keep these kids from harm? How do we keep them from coming back, having seen those foreign sights and wanting to stay home and help and do chores? 
and milk cows and stay married and have children. They recognize the challenge in World War One. I would suggest to you. The challenge has never been greater because your kids have seen Paris, they have seen Tokyo, they have seen Moscow, they have seen every crevice of the known world. Furthermore, they have seen images of violence. They have seen images of standards of beauty that they recognize they cannot attain. And they are feeling that pressure. Jimmy, you've got that app where it traces your face and makes you look beautiful. Yeah, but it didn't change mine. It did. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and some boys and girls, they put this app on their face and it makes them look perfect. What? But they don't look perfect. And what's happening to them? They feel rotten because of the way God made them so deficiently. Add to that pornography. The kids are seeing it, whether we want to admit it or not. Even kids in church, even at church. Yeah. Kids are showing each other what they've got on their cell phones. Our kids have seen Paris and a whole lot more. The question is, what are we going to do about it? A sociologist said there's two reasons that kids these days have what they are deeming to be Peter Pan syndrome. They're, they're afraid of a big bad world because they've seen the big bad world. There's permissive parenting and then there's protective parenting. So as a parent, you need to ask yourself the question, well, which one is best? Well, which one should I be? Because here's what we've all recognized. If you block your kid from social media forever, well, at least forever while they're still in your house, as soon as they leave, they fly away to university, go out on their own, they get their own cell phone, their smartphone, well, then they're off to Paris. And all of your labors might have been for naught. I'll just tell you where I happen to be at the moment on this subject, because I recognize uh, our kids, we just missed this, man. This bullet, whew, it was starting to fly when our kids were teenagers, and it was a battle to keep them away from smartphones and not give one to them. Now, we were able to get away with the flip phone thing so that they could call and text but then at some point they become adults and then they can buy their own stuff. They work, they can buy, even if they don't tell you, they can get their own stuff and they do. And they can get around your filters and they can get around all of these safety features that you've plugged in because they're just so intuitive when it comes to this stuff. What, what do you do today? I'm not naive to the challenge of this, but it seems that when it comes to social media, we need to be tipping much more toward protective parenting. I I know. You say the kids are going to be furious. I get that. But I don't think that Christians are called to be permissive parents. I think that we are called to protect our children and to keep them from the knowledge that should not be known by children. That is, my opinion, a very good definition of what it means to be an adult. You know adult things. Now, if we give children adult information, let them view adult images, then we are not protecting them. We, we, are, we are downloading something into their little brains that they cannot handle. And they weren't meant to handle those things. That's why we have something that every society has recognized called childhood. Now, I grant you we're extending it way too long these days. I think it's safe to say that you should be considered a man or woman by the time you're 35. I think that's safe. 
These days, we've just made it outrageous. Nevertheless, a child shouldn't see Paris, but they do. And if we don't start protecting them, I get it. They could turn out to be bitter. I get it. They could turn out to be really angry at you. They could fly away and never want to come back. So why is my scale tipping in that direction? Because I have to give an account to the Lord. And so do you. And if you were asked when you stand before your God, did you protect your children from that stuff? Do we really think that our current excuses will hold up? Well, the neighbor kids had them and we just thought they're probably going to see it anyway. So we just gave it to them. Well, you know, they have to do it for schoolwork. Whatever the excuse is, I wonder if it's going to hold up under some divine scrutiny. What does that look like? I don't know. I really, I don't know. You got to sort it, mom and dad. Every every family dynamic is different. I, I, I feel like I'm pushing it by suggesting to you, you might want to become a little bit more restrictive on cell phone use with your children. That feels like it's kind of getting into your realm of jurisdictional authority, Todd, because it is. But perhaps just an encouragement. Don't lose them to Paris. Don't lose them to the Internet. Haven't we already seen the results of this already? Haven't, haven't we seen this? That the kids, they get exposed to all of this stuff and they play Christian kid, but as soon as they're gone, they are gone. Now, I grant you on the other end of the spectrum, you've got parents who tried to protect their kids from social media and they did the exact same thing. It seems to me one of the things that we should be doing as parents in this generation, more perhaps than any other time, you better be leaning into sovereignty and begging God to save your kids, protect your kids, to take care of your kids, to watch them, to curb their behavior when you can't see them. Because if, if, if we don't have his divine intervention, ah, ha, ha, ha. how are you going to keep them down in the farm? How are you going to keep them from never, never not talking to you, from just a, not wanting anything to do with you? Gen Z, driving force among adults identifying as LGBTQ. Cool. The number of U.S. adults who identify as such has more than doubled in a decade. In 2012, Hmm, that is about the turning point when everybody started to have cell phones. 3.5% of U.S. adults said they were LGBTQ. Today, it's 7.1%. That's, that's nine years of internet. For Gen Z, these are 1997 to 2004, which seems like a very small window. Can a generation only be seven years? 19.7% identified as LGBTQ. They are the cell phone generation. They, from the jump, they have known the cell phone. From childhood, they've known the internet. Millennials, the number drops to 11.2. Gen X, it jumps down to 3.3. Baby boomers, 2.7. Why? What else, what else is it out there? Yeah, I know it's Hollywood. Yeah, I know it's the education system. But all of that is crashing into our kids' palms. Daily, you've heard these statistics before. 57% of girls feel persistently sad and hopeless. 29% of male students, ditto, have a suicide plan. 18%, 10% have attempted suicide one or more times. 10%. Look at your youth group, youth pastor. 
One out of 10 of them have actually tried to take their own lives. Do not deceive yourselves. They don't need any more pizza. Put your time and energies into studying the Bible and downloading it into their little hearts. Do that. They need that. They're hurting real bad. One in five teen girls experienced sexual violence. This is according to the CDC. Social media, here it is. The doctor who authored the report for the CDC stated that social media was a factor for girls feeling sad and hopeless. I would suggest to you it might be the factor. Youth who feel connected at school are less likely to experience risks related to substance abuse, etc. I would substitute church there. 21% of our kids are sexually active. I suspect that number is higher. 16% of high school students use pot during the last 30 days. By the way, more girls than boys, by the way. What does the world have for them? I'm glad you asked. According to Teen Vogue. Yeah, Teen Vogue which has a sex column, which is so good for the teens. Five best mental health apps to help you be your best self. This is from Teen Vogue. Daily Bean, it tracks your moods, sleep, and symptoms. Finch, it reports your habits. In other words, it tries to get you to limit your amount of social media time because they know that it affects them. And then the other two big apps are Headspace and Calm, providing guided meditation and sleep stories. Ooh, helpful? Not at all. Mom and Dan, you're up against it. You need the help of your local church. Youth pastor, help these parents. And every parent should help every other parent in speaking into our children's lives biblically. Because for every time we quote a Bible verse to them, they hear a hundred messages from the world system. This is Wretched Radio. Books of the Bible. Exodus is a story of God saving His people from oppression and giving them an identity and an inheritance. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, which begin with the statement, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Good deeds have always been a response to God's saving work, not a means of earning salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No. You're not listening to K-Love. <laughs> not that they play a song like this anyway. This is Wretched Radio, a pondering how now we shall live in a negative world. I don't know. Maybe remember what Jesus said?
for living in a new era. We need to return to the old ways, which are the biblical ways, which are keeping our eyes on the kingdom that Christ is building, an eternal kingdom, one where he will reign forever and ever with those he saves when they respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. We, in our modern society, which, by the way, did you know that every single society has been a modern society? We all were modern at one. In 1205, they were modern. Today, we look at them as if they were antiquated, but perhaps especially in our electronic era, we think, whew, we've got all of the wisdom of the world at our fingertips. Well, we might have all of the knowledge of the world at our fingertips, but that doesn't mean we are wise. And as evangelicals, we cannot be wooed into considering a new strategy for living in this new negative world that we're in. We got to go back to the marching orders of our commander in chief, Jesus Christ to be a holy set-apart people, to be evangelists, all of us, as we have opportunity. And there are plenty of them. If you leave your house, you have an opportunity. In fact, you've got an opportunity in your house if you ever go on the internet or talk to a human being on your cell phone. We need to be preaching the gospel. We need to be living as salt and light. We need to be engaged in our churches, performing the one another's with one another. That's the formula. It is as simple and tried and true as that. An article, another article, this was written by one Zephram Foster at the American Reformer, recognizing that we in our sophisticated society, even as Christians, have a tendency to forget about spiritual warfare and the battle that rages, including political battles, social battles, moral battles. They are all spiritual behind them. He writes this, Christian theology in the 20th century, especially in the West, is tainted by modern presuppositions. Most churches don't speak about demonic activity often. Why? Well, we see some groups, and this article identifies charismatic groups, Pentecostal groups, quote, are prone to over-demonizing the world and attributing every sickness, affliction, or sin to Satan himself. All right, just because there's an imbalance doesn't mean that we shouldn't recognize what's going on out there is demonic. It is satanic. Well, Bud, Lizer make, Bud Light, it makes you nuts because of what they did with their spokesperson. Can we call them a person? They're lost. Their marketing department is lost. 
The spokesperson is lost. We need to remember that they are under the sway of the devil. Now, I know that doesn't sound sophisticated in the West anymore, but that is to our detriment of not recognizing what is going on out there. Because if we fail to recognize that it's a spiritual battle, we will not engage on a spiritual level with spiritual weapons. Back to the article. The problem of over-tributing phenomena to demonic activity is a small one compared to the much more common issue of ignoring demonic activity entirely. Many worldly sins, conditions, and social trends are certainly demonic in nature, and this should be recognized. Are you willing to say to people in academic company, they're demons, they're dark spiritual forces afoot. There's a reason people want Satan clubs for after-school elementary children. It's because the devil is real, and he's active, and he's prowling about this planet looking for people to devour. Or have we become cultural engagers ourselves? A little too afraid to talk in such terms? So now the question becomes, just what exactly can be said to be demonic in nature, and where are Satan's efforts being directed? Well, Satan desires human, in, human destruction. And so he feeds lies as the father of lies to innocents, hoping for their downfall. There's nothing Satan could desire more for the youth of the Western world than for men to exchange the natural sexual relations with women for homosexual ones, for them to deny essential characteristics about their created state, for girls to go under the knife. We'll leave it at that. Satan loves to see children torn limb from limb in the womb. He loves death and any culture that promotes it. Don't forget, the abortion war, it's, it's a spiritual battle, which is why the folks at Preborn preach the gospel, because they recognize unless these people get saved, they're going to be back again and again and again, because those who hate God love death. Those who love the Lord, they love life. Please consider supporting Preborn. Court battles are raging. You've got, by the way, abortions are down. I think there was like 30 or 40,000 less abortions thanks to Obergefell or to Roe v. Wade being overturned. But don't think for a second that the battle has ended. The, the medication that somebody can take a pill to abort their child. Please consider supporting the great ministry of preborn, preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash Wretched. Satan abuses the disconnectedness of the modern world and exploits the lack of true community, sexual movements, identities. Satan loves to deceive, to treat human beings like meat robots with parts that can be replaced. That is what is going on out there. It is a spiritual battle in the heavenly realms, and it is orchestrated by Satan himself with his minions that go about the business of carrying out his orders. Hmm, here's one that might sting. If demons submit to Satan and do what they're told, what does that say about us when we go about the business of not listening to our commander-in-chief and looking for creative new ministry ways, ministerial approaches to making sure that we have cultural influence and perhaps win the next election? Demons obey Satan. Will we obey our Savior and rescue the perishing. This is Wretched Radio. 
I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. We cannot thank our loyal monthly gospel partners enough for consistently helping us strive to touch the lives of millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your unwavering support means the world to us. Literally, just like this testimony we received from Beth, who said, quote, because of Witness Wednesday, I'm now able to articulate the hope inside me. And hey, Gospel Partner, your contributions made that possible. Now, if you're listening and you're not yet an ongoing monthly Gospel Partner, well, hey, what are you waiting on? We're ECFA approved, which means that you will have no worry at all about where your money's going. 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry efforts. All you have to do is visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321 wretched amazing grace amazing gospel ah some good news two encouragements from the tomorrow clubs they have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in eastern europe but now they've expanded to africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Attributes of God. The Bible tells us of God's goodness. God does not measure up to an external standard of goodness. He is the standard. Because everything God does is by definition good, we can trust that God will do what is right in every situation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If an I asked you to preach the gospel, would it take you... Nine minutes. This is Wretched Radio. Rescuing the perishing. Those are our marching orders. That means we need to be proclaiming the gospel, which reminded me of the time I was sitting down with one Steve Lawson. I think we were at a shepherd's conference. Strange. I don't know what. We were at some conference at Grace Community Church, and I asked Steve Lawson to preach the gospel. Nine minutes later. 
He ended, it is always good to be reminded of the great news that we get to share with a world that is perishing. The gospel is very simply Jesus Christ. Uh, Who among us is tired of hearing of the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the Son of God, the Son of Man, uh, sent into this world to be born of a virgin, that he might be sinless, uh, that he might be born under the law, to keep the very law that you and I break day after day after day. The perfect, sinless Son of God has perfectly met all the requirements of God's law and is ready to give his righteousness to us, that we would have a perfect standing before God that he went to a cross there he was lifted up to die there upon that cross the sins of everyone who would believe in him were transferred to him and him who knew no sin god made to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god the great exchange of the cross the worst about me laid upon him the best about him now to be laid upon me as he shed his blood upon that cross He reconciled sinful man to holy God. There is no other way for us to have a relationship with an infinitely holy God except through the blood of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was by His sin-bearing, substitutionary, vicarious death upon that cross, it was as if He took sinful man in one hand and holy God in the other hand and brought the two together through His death. By that death, He satisfied the righteous anger of God and appeased His wrath towards all who would believe in Him. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It was through that death that He redeemed sinners out of the slave market of of sin and redeemed us out of the tyranny of Satan's grip upon our lives. It was by that death that Jesus Christ has, has provided now salvation free for all who will call upon His name. He was taken down from that cross. He said, it is finished. Not I am finished. It is finished. He had completed the mission of salvation that he had come into this world to accomplish. He was buried in the rich man's tomb. And on the third day, by all the the power that was inherent within him as the Son of God, he raised himself from the dead. He came walking out of that tomb, a risen, living, victorious Savior. He ascended back to heaven is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He is mighty to save unto the uttermost all who call upon Him. To call upon the Lord Jesus Christ is to look away from yourself, to look away from religion, to look away from your church, to look away from your denomination, to look away from your baptism and your church membership and all of your good works, and to look exclusively to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Him who comes unto me I will in no wise cast out. He loves to save sinners. He is the friend of sinners. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came not for the righteous. He came for those who are unrighteous. He is a good physician. He has come not for those who are, who are well, but for those who are sick. Will you tell him this moment what a sinner you are? 
Will you tell him how sick you are by sin, that you're unable to save yourself? Would you call upon him, say, Lord Jesus, save me. I, I am a wretched, hell-bound sinner, but your grace is being offered to sinners like me. If you would call upon his name this very moment, I promise you by the authority of the word of God that he will save you. He will save you today. He will wash your sins away. You will be clean and pure from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. He says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. If you will call upon him, he will give you his righteousness. It is a free gift. There is nothing you can do to earn it. There is nothing that you can do to merit it. He will clothe you with the perfect garments of his righteousness. And as God looks upon you, there will be a covering for your sin. Uh, he will see only the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ covering the entirety of who you are, your sin-sick soul. You will find acceptance with God. And one day when you die, He will take you into the very presence of the Father and present you faultless before the throne of God. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Peter said, there is salvation in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Paul says, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. If you turn away from this free offer of the gospel, there is no hope for your soul. You will be trampling underfoot the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say to you, hell cannot be hot enough for you to hear this message, to hear this truth, and to refuse the Lord Jesus Christ who suffered and bled and died upon Calvary's cross to save sinners. If you refuse the gospel, your blood is on your own hands and you will suffer in hell forever under the torment of the wrath of God. You will be among the torment of the damned and you will never find relief for your soul. But today, the gates of paradise are swung open to you and you may come in and you may enter and Jesus says, come unto me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for you will find rest for your souls. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. How hard it is for you to continue to live a life of sin. How glorious it would be to come into the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ and to receive his salvation. This is a decisive moment in your life. You may never have an opportunity like this again where the gospel is so clearly being presented to you. And so I beg you, I urge you, if you are not saved, if you are not committed to this moment, commit your life to Jesus Christ. He will receive you. He will save you. He will wash you. And one day he will take you to heaven where you will spend all eternity with him. This is the greatest offer that has ever been made 
to anyone on this earth. This is the glorious good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. So I would urge you this moment, if you have never believed upon Jesus Christ in your heart of hearts, to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, and you are a Savior. I am a great sinner. You are a great Savior. And I now, this moment, as an act of my will, I commit all that I am to you. If you have never done that, I would urge you to do so this very moment. Why, oh why, would you reject God's terms of peace? Everybody wants peace with God, so it seems, but they go about the business of designing their own means, trying to concoct a system that they think will be satisfactory to God and to them. Sorry. Even a football player has to abide by the rules of another. And we human beings, we cannot write our own rules. We must submit to the rules that God has written. And here they are. Jesus Christ died for sinners. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. If you would like to be in a relationship with God and you have been trying to write your own ticket, tear it up and receive the Lord Jesus Christ by repenting from your sins, trusting in him for your eternity, and he is mighty to save. And if you are a Christian who has been regenerated upon hearing that good news, I got a question. Why would we want to proclaim a lesser message? Why would we want to teach society mere precepts when we have the precious gospel why would we want a downgrade in our role assigned by God himself to proclaim the good news of the gospel that the lost could be found, that the perishing could be rescued? Don't you want to preach that good news to people? Don't you want them to be saved if we are uh, over this darkened culture? There's only one light. There is only one source of illumination, and it doesn't come simply from Christian moral precepts. That's called Pharisaism. Instead, we preach law, we preach gospel, we preach the resurrection, we preach repentance and faith. Is there a more glorious message that God could allow us to speak from our sinful lips to sinful men and women? The answer is no. That was a rhetorical question. So what say? We get about the business of the master. Preach the gospel to rescue the perishing. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.